tell you what, Jer. I'm right now currently sitting in the city of Indianapolis. I'm watching my beloved Red Sox on the TV. Uh, People here are great. I got upgraded to a beautiful Dodge Charger for absolutely no no cost. It was kind of cool. I felt like a badass driving that from the airport today. Um, The beers are great. There's like two breweries right next to my my hotel. So I've uh, had a few few drinks tonight that are tasting pretty tasty. Has some uh, three Floyds. Um, but I'll tell you what, this football team sucks. The culture is <laughs> God awful. We've, we've talked about this a little bit here and there, uh, in our pickums with Sean and Mark. Um, and we've talked about this just in other episodes about how they've just totally mismanaged this football team. And they should have had like 20 or 25 straight years of elite quarterback play. But Ryan Grigson being a buffoon, um, Jim Mercer being a pill popping idiot. This team just stinks. They have no offensive line. They should have beat the Chargers by about 40 points, but they eked out a division uh, a week three win against just at home against a lowly Chargers team that's lost not only Keenan Allen, but uh, they were without Antonio Gates and also Danny Woodhead. Uh, and I'll tell you what, if you invested in Andrew Luck this year, you're praying that he stays upright and he luckily bailed you out with a late touchdown to T.Y. Hilton at the end of the, the week three game against the Chargers. But, uh, I mean... You know, I don't know. Hot sports take coming live from Indianapolis at the Conrad Hotel. I'm Luke Grilly. This is episode 20 of the Never Any Glory podcast. Jerry, how you feeling tonight? How are you feeling after week three? Well, the Colts stink. I know it. You know it. Mark knows it. He said it before. And even their broadcaster, Bob Lamey, who's been uh, on the air for 30 years, knows it. At the end of the San Diego game, did you hear him? This is on the news. He do- uh, dropped a, a, well, this game's finally fucking over. <laughs> Ooh, a hard F-bomb in the Never Ending podcast. I like it. Explicit content. Hit that explicit content button when you publish this on iTunes. No kidding. Yeah, it's it's sad what they've done to this team. And, you know, it's funny. I was talking to the the bellhop today about the Colts because I was wearing my Patriots hat. He was like, oh, man, it must be nice to to always have a great team every year. I was like, yeah, it actually feels pretty good. And, uh, is I bellhop go, the preferred word or is it baggage handler? Like what, what do you call – was he wearing a pillbox hat? He, he looked very professional. I feel like baggage handler, he'd be wearing like a pair of Janko jeans and uh, an oversized T-shirt. Whereas a bellhop, it, it looks professional and uh, I trust a bellhop more than a, a baggage handler. Did he rub his fingers together like Rob Schneider in Home Alone 2 when he delivered your bag? He did and he got a few bucks from me. I'm not cheap. I'm not cheap. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Last known gentleman right here, Luke Grilly. Hey, there you go. One of us has to be a gentleman here on the Never Ending Glory podcast. It's true. So, Jer, how are you feeling after week three of uh, not only the NFL but also fantasy football? Well, I got off the schneid, first win, and I really need to thank Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> um, he gave me the gift that just kept, that kept on giving of six INTs, you know, two fumble recoveries, a touchdown. The Kansas City Chiefs got me 36 points this week, and uh, I, I wanted to kiss him on his bearded cheek. <laughs> um, that put me over the top, got me to one and zero, and I'm now in no, the, no, no. You're not one and zero. You're sorry, one, I'm two, <laughs> one and two. Uh, excuse me, one and two. But I'm the highest ranked one and two team in our league. So it's a bit. Of, and then you pair that with last night, the Indians winning the AL Central. Mm. Watching that party in in um, Detroit was a blast. Um, stayed up and watched the end of that. It's, it looked like the entire home plate area in the dugout had been taken over by all the uh, tribe fan that made the trip up to Detroit and they were just blasting the other team chanting any name they could think of that fit the rhyme <laughs> scheme was great so, so all, all in all it's been a good day ready to yeah. talk a little football and uh, recap week three with you great weekend for you I also do want to mention um, Jimmy Graham came out of his came, yes. out of, uh, came back to become a TE1 had a great game for you and also the um the much uh, maligned uh, pick of Jay Ajayi worked out for you this week when he finally found uh, found the end zone. So yeah, fitting how he, uh, he he took it to the the Browns at the end in overtime. I I didn't even see him get put into the game to yeah. be honest when it happened, and I was like, oh my god! <laughs> but yeah. it paid off. I put my money where my mouth was, and I actually started him because I said I think he's going to do something against the Browns this week, and he really didn't. It but, took him five quarters, but whatever. Wait, some guys are slow starters. <laughs> Seven carries, 28 yards, and a touchdown. Not great, but um, you know that's what we're working with here. So yes. uh, good Godspeed for the rest of the season. 
Fortunately, I had a, uh, a cupcake matchup against Farky this week or uh, last week, and I was able to get the victory. Started off hot, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on. Aaron Rodgers was just dropping dimes left and right in the first half. Second half, he decided not to play very much, or at least not throw the ball that much. Um, and uh, it was pretty ugly, but uh, I got the W, so I am now 3-0 and and currently third in our league, so I'm pretty happy with that. Just your standard 3-0 start for Luke Grilly's fantasy. Oh, God. Is what it is. Um, hey, Jerry, let's not forget to tell the people where to find us on Twitter, at Glory Podcast, on Facebook, Never Ending Glory Podcast, email negpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Never Ending Glory Podcast. And, of course, we can always be found on DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. But, Jared, let's talk week three of the NFL season. Um, we're actually going to go pretty much division by – or division, yeah, division by division here because I feel like there was just a, a lot more – the games weren't that exciting. It was more the storylines of teams uh, within their division. That was a little bit more exciting this week. So let's go ahead and talk NFC East first. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from the NFC East? Well, I mean, the story leading up to the actual Sunday game was ODB versus Josh Norman, Skins versus Giants, and it kind of turned out to be kind of a stinker. Um, you know, the referees really, really took the game away from, you know, the game within the game away from them, and they've made it into this thing that's like, almost like it's more than just a football game. It's, it's still a really good wide receiver and a really good DB locked up in man coverage, and that's what it is. It's not anything more than that, but they're just too kind of narcissistic prima donnas that want to make it more into other things. And in my opinion, Josh Norman got the best of him. He got the win. Um, and he made ODB lose his mind on the sideline and get his ass kicked by a uh, punting net, <laughs> uh, which is fun, funny to watch. Um, yeah, so, but well, well, I'm sorry. I mean, Beckham went seven for 121. So right. yeah, Norman got the win, uh, you know, in the win-loss column. But I think – Odell Beckham probably bested him. And if, yeah, yeah. In a fantasy standpoint, like I started him, and I and I was confident in what he was going to get me. I didn't think he would be shut down for like you know three catches for forty three yards. I knew he was going to get his, but you know, was he going to give up a big play? No, he was going to make him earn it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I just think that seven for one twenty one. I just don't call that a win for Norman. I think maybe if anything, it, it might be uh, a draw at okay. best, but. Uh, a win for Norman, I'm, I'm not ready to call it that. Uh, it was interesting to see, you know, obviously everybody's hyping this up, that it was going to be, you know, Odell Beckham versus Norman part two, like, you know, Ali Frazier part two or whatever. Uh, it, it never really got that heated. There was one point where Norman kind of, uh, Odell jumped up for the ball and Norman kind of carried yeah, him about five him. yards. That that got awkward. Um uh, <laughs> But other than that, there weren't a ton of fireworks. It was just Beckham, I think, went into the game saying to himself, I got to have a huge game. I got to have a huge game. I have to be the difference maker in this game. And he really wasn't. But um, I'd say, yeah, like I said, I'd say if anything, it was a draw. I just want to talk about how Washington sucks. <laughs> I mean, Kirk, <laughs> Kirk Cousins isn't good. He just, uh, you know, he had a great second half last year that got him that $20 million. Uh, franchise tag and he turned down 34 million dollars from the, the redskins which might be a blessing in disguise for washington as it looks like but they're really struggling on offense this year so far uh jordan reed hasn't really done much the receivers pierre garçon um deshaun jackson they haven't done much so i mean is Kirk Cousins just another guy, or do you think he can actually be a capable quarterback in this league? I think he's a higher-ranked uh, just another guy. I don't know if he's a – he's in kind of in that middle of the road, you know, below like a Phillip Rivers for sure, but above any Browns quarterback we put out there. Now, <laughs> um, so, yeah, a question, Farky's going to want to hear this answer. Is he higher rated or, or lower rated than Brock Osweiler? Is Kirk Cousins higher rated than – well, after that week three game, I would say Brock Osweiler, Osweiler is rated below Kirk Cousins. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so Brock Osweiler is out of your top ten. Uh, Brock Osweiler is <laughs> out of the Jerry Burris quarterback ranking. Uh, we're saving that for another pod, but I'm going to wait until okay. after week four. I okay. feel like we need a larger sample because 
there's another quarterback in the NFC East that uh, everyone's obsessed with right now, and that's that's Carson Wentz. I mean, what a transition! That was beautiful. Uh, you're beautiful. welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. But he's got five TDs and no turnovers. It, you know, I can't think of a, a rookie quarterback who started Week One and has done that. Um, but you pair that with a defense only giving up 20 points, and they beat the shit out of the Steelers, and everyone had them pretty much written into the AFC Championship game this year. So are they good? Like, are we sold on the Eagles after it being a 3-0 start? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very impressed by them. Obviously, after week two, you know, they beat the Browns week one. Uh, okay. I was, wasn't overly impressed with that. Um, week two, you know, they they played well again against, you know, inferior competition. And so finally, week three was going to be the test of, is this team a great or a good team? Or do they belong to be a to be three and zero, or deserve to be three and zero. Sorry, fumble over those words right there. Uh, that's the uh, the two hearted ale from Bell's Brewery right now. It's kicking in now. Um, but you know they just absolutely manhandled the Steelers on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Uh, you can't at this point. I guess you really can't say that they're not a contender in the NFC, which is just absolutely crazy. Because remember, a month ago we were talking about how Sam Bradford was going to be the starting quarterback for this team. And that Carson Wentz was probably going to be sitting out most of the games as a healthy scratch. So he yeah. could just, you know, get the feel for the game. And now we're seeing him be look fantastic on the field. Um, you know, he's actually a very athletic player. He's slightly less athletic than Andrew Luck. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Dave Antonelli here from my Dust House Dynasty Football League. He sent me some numbers um, showing the 40 time, three cone drill time. And showing that it was Cam Newton, and right behind him was Andrew Luck, and right behind him was Carson Wentz. So Carson Wentz is a very athletic player. I'd say you know he's he's a, a solid guy like Big Ben, but he's a little bit faster and a little bit quicker than Big Ben. Um, and that's I mean that's kind of what you're going to be able to expect from him. I think at least for the next few years. Yeah, that's just the kind of player he is. He'll develop into being a you know having that big arm and finding a way to escape pressure. And, and being a strong player, but he's athletic enough to get out of the pocket and move within the pocket. And he's just he's shown that he can make plays so far. So I think Carson Wentz has a chance to be the real deal. Again, we're three games into his career. Um, remember, it was only four years ago or three years ago they were talking about RG3 being the next stud quarterback. So you never know what's going to happen. But, I mean, so far so good with Carson Wentz. Yeah, and everything you hear in Cleveland is, oh, we messed this up. We should have got him. We should have got him. And I, I'm not buying into that yet. I think that it's a little bit too early to tell. Um, you know, people said the same thing about RG3. We had a chance. We didn't go get him. So it, we don't want to be prisoners of the moment. But at the same time, it's hard not to have, like, that gut feeling of, oh, God, here's another quarterback we missed out on. Yeah, but the question, though, is, you know, you, you can say that Carson Wentz looks great in the Eagles uniform, but would he be doing the same thing exactly. in Cleveland? And I don't yeah. think he would because um, the Eagles have a better defense. They have, uh, you know, more weapons on the outside with Jordan Matthews and Zach Hurts, who's hurt right now, but they have a, a solid running game behind them. Um, and, and just the, the whole front office is not in a constant state of turmoil like it is in Cleveland. So I think that... Doug Peterson's his West Coast style offense just really fits Carson Wentz's style of play, and I think that's the main reason for you know I don't think that they're making him do too much. No, and, and that's he's, a, he's that's just the a good thing. quarterback. Like he, right. he, you're not you're not starting from scratch and trying to fix a guy that was you know in a, an up tempo spread offense. You're not worried about a guy who's you know, really athletic, but wasn't so much of a pocket passer. He's, he's got a great basis to start from, and, and that's right. why they're, you know, on a hot start right now. Sure. I sure. also played the Browns, so that's a free one. <laughs> Let's kick it over to the NFC North real quick. I want to talk about Green Bay because uh, I'm heavily invested in Andrew, or, uh, Aaron Rodgers this, in this fantasy season, and I just actually really like watching this team play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rodgers has looked great in the first half of week one and week three games. He was dropping dimes. He was on pace for like 50 or 60 fantasy points in the, after the first half. And then they come in the second half and the team just kind of falls apart and the offense just kind of goes away. And not only that, I think what really ties to that is, you know, Renal Cobb, does he suck or is he actually good? Uh, I don't know if he sucks. I think, that, you know, 
as a coach, getting into the halftime with a big lead, 28 points or more, is one of the hardest things to do is to come out in the second half and be sharp. You want to say a lot of times, all right, guys, we want to get into the third, get another touchdown or whatever you kind of set your basis as like the finish line for your starters, and then you want to get out. Well, when you kind of do that, sometimes your guys, your ones, just kind of you know take their foot off the gas pedal and you kind of see that that's what's going on with Green Bay. So I don't know if Randall Cobb sucks as much as he just kind of knows. You know, <laughs> this is the this is the moment. All right, great, we're up twenty eight, uh, seven or what was it at halftime? I forget. Yeah, they're about. I think it was he had four touchdown passes, but I don't know if it was thirty five or twenty eight. But um, so that that might be a little bit what's going on with their offense. They they're going into bye week this week, and you know they're going to have some tougher competition coming up, and I think you won't see that as much. You'll see. Uh, um, they'll be playing four quarters with that offense. Yeah, you got to hope so, just because this team in the NFC, I mean, I don't think there's a true front runner in the NFC right now. Um, but if, if Green Bay can be, you know, the dominant team they were for weeks one th- or, uh, you know, quarter one through two, right? If they can do that for four games, I think they're easily the best team in the NFC right now because Seattle's banged up. Carolina looks a little flawed because that defense is, is not what they used to be. Um, and, you know, I don't think any team can really keep up with Green Bay. Yeah, we just talked about Philadelphia, but I don't, I don't really see them being a contender in the NFC just now. Um, and Arizona is a whole other story, and we're going to talk about them in a second. Right. But if Green Bay can – if they can just be that, that stud offense that they are in quarters one and two for four quarters, even three quarters – then I don't see any team in the NFC that can keep up with them. Yeah, I don't know if there's a defense outside of, you know, Seattle will slow them down a little bit, but I don't know if they can match them um, if they do get their points. Um, you know, Minnesota's really the only stopper in the NFC against them. You know, Car- Carolina looks like they've kind of lost a little bit of their D. So I don't know. Like you said, if they're, if they're going, they might be the hardest offense to shut down in the NFC. Yeah. Real hilarious, total total off topic. I'm watching the Red Sox Yankees game right now, and this guy tried to propose to his chick in the stands, dropped the wedding ring down like into a grate or something like that, and they, everybody's looking for it for Shut the past five minutes. <laughs> but then they finally found it last second. Now she's you know showing off her ring everywhere. What if so, she said uh, no? That would have been even oh, that would even better. It's like no, I'm all set. And by the way, that ten thousand dollar ring you just lost is is, is gone forever. That'd no, be I'm awesome. sweet on that. I don't. I don't <laughs> So Anyways, um, you talked. We talked Minnesota, or you mentioned Minnesota. That defense has been dominant, lights out all season. Um, they're making great offenses like Carolina look foolish, and, and we're going to talk about their defense a little bit more in depth later on. We get to uh, listener questions, but no, you're right. I think that you know Minnesota is probably the one team that that could challenge the the. Uh, the Packers in the North this, se- this season, just because it's not going to be Chicago, it's not going to be Detroit. It's it, it's down to a two man race already. I think um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, Chicago lost Jay Cutler, and they weren't great to begin with. Their defense is god awful, um, and Detroit, you know, their offense is is popped off a little bit, even with Calvin Johnson out. But their defense is struggling as well. So, do you see any other team that could even come close to either the Packers? or the Vikings in the NFC North? Out of the North, no. Um, it's it's definitely a two-man race. But I'm still waiting for this us-against-the-world mentality that Minnesota has. It's going to wear off at some point. They will have that off week where they're not so charged up on defense that they make up for every offensive mistake. You know, At the end of the day, you still have you know a, you have McKinnon at, at tailback, which is a huge drop-off. And, you know, say what you will, Sam Bradford has been on fire, but they've really not gone super deep into the playbook, it seems. You know, I heard him talking on uh, the last broadcast how uh, Sam Bradford's like, like, quit asking me. I know what the offense is. I'm going, you know, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And they can go further and further. But at the end of the day, you've been in this offense for what, three weeks? Four right. weeks at the most? Yeah. Like, this is the NFL. If they're getting into a complicated defensive system, you know, there's going to be some things they got to get into their third and fourth read. And if you're not 100% in it, like the way like Tom Brady is or or Aaron Rodgers is, like it's going to expose you at some point. I'm just wondering when 
the magic kind of wears off and, and there's going to be a ceiling to this uh, Minnesota defense. Well, I'm curious how, you know, in depth this Minnesota offense is just because they've never been a downfield offense whatsoever. They've more, more been a run first offense, right. even with Teddy Bridgewater. So really how much, how much is on the quarterback in this offense? And I obviously know that uh, Adrian Peterson's out for the season or at least for the next two or three months. So they're probably going to have to flip the script a little bit because Matt Asiata and Jarek McKinnon, I don't think they can carry your team. But, you know, how much – they're not going to make such a drastic change that all of a sudden they're going to turn into the run-and-gun offense of, you know, the Patriots in 2007 or something like that. I mean, yeah. how, much, how much are they going to ask the quarterback to do in this offense? Well, it seems like he's doing a little bit more because I think just from an arm strength standpoint, you know, people think Teddy Bridgewater had a noodle. Right. Um, he can definitely push the ball downfield a little bit. And Stephon Diggs has turned out to be, you know, kind of surprised where he's a legit, you know, wide receiver one for them. I do think they need that running game to pick it up. But the guy I really like for their offense is Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph is slowly turning into a top five tight end if he can keep up this pace. We've, um, been, we've been speaking that narrative for the past five years. Though, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because he has the tools to do it. He's a big he dude. He does. He's, he's, got, he's, he's got very inconsistent. Speed. He well, I'll tell you what, he's, he's turned into a badass because he's got a sleeve on his right arm. When right did he right. become the Randy Orton of that team? Like, he's got the full sleeves. <laughs> yeah, like I think it was like two, year, two years ago he got it. And I was just, I remember just watching. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. He's got a sleeve now. Is he going to actually finally be good? That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. I mean, it comes down to the offense of the Packers and the defense of the Vikings in the uh, – in the NFC North, but if you have the Vikings defense so far, they're the number one ranked defense. If you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, he's probably top three in your league. Um, and I'll tell you what, finally we saw something from Eddie Lacy this week against Detroit, rushed for over 100 yards. Couldn't find the end zone, but he looked really good, looked spry. That P90X off that China game, or China food game. <laughs> uh, so that's always a good thing. Seattle, NFC West, you mentioned Russ Wilson and that offense. And I'll tell you what, I love Tyler Lockett as a player, but he's not a reliable wide receiver. And if you drafted him as your wide receiver two, wide receiver three, you are sorely regretting it this season because that offense just, they're going to have a hard time supporting a fantasy wide receiver other than Doug Baldwin. And even Doug Baldwin has been mediocre at best because of an injury. I'm just, you know, I'm fading away from the, the Seattle offense. Everybody except for, except for Christine Michael, who's been fantastic in, in Thomas Rawls' absence, which, again, I know it's a sore spot for you. I'm sorry about that, bud. It's okay. We're moving uh, on past it. We've got, to, we've got to get there somehow. Yeah, but that, that offense has just been, it's been tough, to, uh, tough to watch this season. Well, I heard um, one of the Sunday morning shows, I can't remember if it was on Fox or ESPN, they were talking, it looked like Russell Wilson is pressing a little bit too much. With the lack of running game that he's used to with Marshawn Lynch, Seems like he's trying to do a little bit too much, and that might be why some of the reason he's a little bit banged up. He's, you know, he's got a, a high ankle sprain from the preseason. He's been working through, and then he just twisted his knee up. He had to get an MRI, but it seemed like he was going to be playing no matter what. They are coming into a bye week on week five, and you kind of makes you wonder, like, do they need to give him be, or just be a little bit more cautious with him this week so that they can get into week five, get some rest, and get healthy again. Yeah, because I mean the problem is obviously he's a running quarterback. He's he's uh, you know with with Russ Wilson <laughs> exactly with with mediocre wide receivers that they currently have right now. I've never been a Doug Baldwin fan as anything more than a you know wide receiver three in fantasy and a, a second option in in the real NFL. Um, you know Jimmy Graham looks good again or finally, which is which is great. But how consistent will he be? We're still not sure yet because. This could just be, you know, an aberration more than the norm. Right. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be totally against them benching or sitting Russ Wilson for one week, let him, let him heal, and have the backup quarterback come in and play. Uh, especially because the NFC West really hasn't looked good so far. Arizona, are they good? Are they bad? I, I don't know. The Rams, they're two and one, but they're the Rams. They're they're, they're a very beatable team. Yeah, they San won a Francisco, game without they won a game without scoring a touchdown. Right. San Francisco, well, they beat the Seahawks though, so. Yeah. Uh, but again, that was also with Russ Wilson being at 25% of his mobility. Uh San Francisco, 
not a good team. They're talking about bringing Colin Kaepernick in. I mean, it's it's to the point right now where I I don't think it's the worst idea in the world to sit Russ Wilson for one week to make sure that he is back to his 100% himself after his bye. But we'll see what they do. Uh, I do want to say this, though, and I have to say it because I've been preaching his name in fantasy football. I said, hold tight on this guy. He's going to be fine. Todd Gurley and the Rams finally found the end zone. Gurley scored two touchdowns on Sunday. It was a beautiful thing. Uh, granted, they're both two. They're both one yard touchdowns, but he made a really nice play before his first touchdown, where he he f- hit a hole that uh, a person his size should not be able to hit. He he was able to squeak into it in the last second. He got tripped up a little bit, but he was able to keep his balance and kind of rolled it almost into the end zone. Was down at the half yard line and eventually got the ball in. Just watching this guy, and the reason why I'm so high on him, his talent, his balance, his vision, it's elite. It's absolutely elite. And I know that, obviously, that can only get a running back so far because the running back is solely dependent on his lineman, his game plan, and how defenses approach him. But he is so good that I will take the talent over a, a, a less talented player in a better situation. The guy's a beast. And he's going to be fine this year. And I hope after watching this game, fantasy owners, they realize, okay, let's not panic on Todd Gurley right now. And if you're able to buy Todd Gurley low, congratulations, because you just got an RB1 for the rest of the season. Yeah, he's doing what he's supposed to. He's doing his job. Simple as that. Perfect. Arizona, do they suck? Are they good? I mean, what's they should have beat the Bills by 30 points. They're one and two. They lost to the Patriots. They lost to the Bills. What is wrong with Arizona? I, I don't know what's wrong. With it. I think the expectations have been so high on them for the past two years that you can only keep these guys in that mode for so long. And then eventually, you know, something happens. You lose a game you're not supposed to. And then that turns into two. And then all of a sudden you really look at each other and, and trying to figure out well, what's wrong with us. Um, you know, is their season over? No, they're still no. in the in the West. Like sure. they could come out of this thing and and make the playoffs at nine and seven, or possibly even eight and eight. So I think it's way too early to hit the panic switch. But to call to say that they suck, yeah, they've sucked in the first three weeks. But it's they just, have a long time to right the ship here. No, they definitely do. And and I'm not trying to panic this early. It's just it's like you know, I, I actually almost signed up for Bo, Bovada just because. At the time, the Bills were – I'm sorry, the, the, the Cardinals were giving like six points. I was like, this is going to be a 30-point game. Well, this is no question. And, and, and fortunately, I didn't sign up for Bovada because I, I would have lost a lot of money. But it's just like, eh. I get loose to the Patriots. Belichick's a great coach. It is what it is. Garoppolo looks like he's a legitimate quarterback. But the Bills? The Bills have looked terrible for the past three weeks or the past two weeks. And then they come in, they just go to town on, on the Cardinals. It's just it's a weird situation in Arizona right now. So the NFC West, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But the NFC South, that division just sucks. It's just not good. Uh, last night, Monday night's game, New Orleans. It's supposed to be the 10-year anniversary of the, of the big uh, you know, Gleason punt block. Um, and Atlanta came in and just ran down their throats with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. You know, I was weary on Devontae Freeman going to draft season. I was nervous that Tevin Coleman was going to take a lot of time from him, and he, he has. He stole three touchdowns from, from Freeman. Um, but Devontae had a great game last night as well. So they have a great one-two punch. I, I, I think their defense is just not good enough to contend in the NFC. So I wasn't that impressed really with either team last night or on, on Monday night. Uh, Tampa Bay has been up and down and Carolina just got absolutely worked by Minnesota and that defense, they really miss Josh Norman. They're, they're just not what they used to be without him. So I really, honestly, I have no idea with the NFC South and I feel like every season we always have a new team that emerges each year as the winner. What didn't they one year, I think recently had a team that, or I think the Falcons were seven and nine and made the playoffs. Yeah. They had a real crap fest season. Um, and still made the playoffs one year. So it's just it's just that division just it's it's really really you know, I don't I don't know what to think it, it's a, not a defensive um, oh. division other than Carolina but even then that you know they've been giving up some points what really pisses me off 
is that they allow Cam Newton to continue to wear what he does for these freaking post-game conferences. Oh, he God. was wearing a hat that Papa Shango wore <laughs> in WWE. Like, no joke. If right. you go back and look at the pictures and compare right. it to Papa Shango, you know, the godfather, he looks like the exact same hat. Look, he took it off his head. He, I mean, he literally was wearing what the, the guy from the Planners Peanut wear, wore. Yes. He, he has a Great monocle. comparison. But I'll tell you what, though. I, I think that he's very self-aware, and I think that he's just trolling no. the shit out of No, he is trolling the shit out of us at this point. He has to be. There's no way he wakes up, puts on that hat, puts on that monocle, and says, I look sweet right now. There's no way. He is absolutely trolling us right now. He says, what can I do to just piss off all the white people in America? That's what he's saying right now. And you know what? <laughs> Cam, keep doing you, buddy. I, I, I support it. At first, I was annoyed by it. But now I love it. I'm going to embrace it. You're my quarterback in a few leagues. Let's roll with it, buddy. Let's roll with it. Yeah, my grandfather would be rolling over his grave <laughs> if he saw Cam Newton. All, all the staunchy reporters, you know, at the Boston Globe, at the Plain Dealer, who just want to see the quarterback from you know 1960, uh, you know, just just shut up and play the game. They they are just the ones who are just livid about what Cam Newton's wearing to his post game and and I love it. Keep on doing it, Cam. Keep on doing it. Well speaking of Boston, should we jump over to the AFC East? I think we should. I think it's about time. Uh Jacoby Brissett dominated the Texans on Thursday night and now he's potentially out with a, a thumb injury. Um there's a hilarious uh meme by Bleacher Report going around the interwebs right now where it was from like uh, the Lion King. Oh yeah. Belichick holding up Brissett with, uh, no, Julian. Oh no. So, uh, for, well, first with Brissett with Garoppolo and Tom Brady watching or looking on. And then after the, the latest injury to Brissett, it was him holding up Edelman with Brissett and Garoppolo and Brady looking on. Um, so uh, week four against the uh, bills at home, I really expect Garoppolo to play at this point. I think they're going to shoot him up with whatever they can. You know, the, the, all the talk in Boston media this past week was, should, should Garoppolo play? Can he play? Brady would play. But people have to remember that Garoppolo had a grade two sprained AC joint and was working on four days rest after that injury. Right. It wasn't a normal game where it was Sunday to Sunday or Sunday to Monday, or Monday to Sunday. No, it was, it was a Thursday night, or a Sunday night game where you got hurt, or Sunday game, and it was a Thursday night game was the next one. So an injury where you couldn't raise your shoulder over your head, there's just absolutely, I mean, I wasn't expecting him to play. I don't fault him for not playing. And Brissett came in and was solid enough. He yeah, wasn't he was great. He was good enough. He missed a few throws, and I mean, it is what it is. So now, now his thumb's busted, but they haven't signed a quarterback. So I think they're pretty confident that either Brissett will be good enough to play or Garoppolo is ready to play. If I had to put my, if I had to put money on it, I'd say Garoppolo is probably playing week four. Uh, either way, I'm not too worried about it. We're playing with house money. I said two and two. Worst case scenario, going to be three and one before Tom Brady comes back. So it, I was very impressed with how that defense played. The Patriots' defense looks elite right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just – honestly, I'm not trying to be a homer here, Jer, but I don't see any team that can come close to the Patriots right now. Well, it, especially not in their division. Well, but not only that, but, like, they haven't had Brady. They haven't had Gronk, really. Gronk was a shell of himself on Thursday night. He had the bad hamstring. I don't think they want to push him yet. The defense just looks great. It's just – it's it's – I think the biggest thing is is they brought in Dante, they brought back Dante Scarnecchia, who was the offensive line coach uh, two years ago when they won the Super Bowl, and last year he retired. And I think Belichick said, "Listen, we have a few more years with Brady. We have a few more years with his defense. I will pay you whatever you want to come back and just be the god that you are and make this offensive line work again." And we're seeing it happen. They've had they're missing their starting left tackle. They, they were missing uh, both tackles in the first two games, and now all of a sudden the offensive line is playing fantastic, and that's exactly what they're going to need when they eventually face Denver in Denver against that pass rush. So I think that's the biggest thing right there. The other thing is that pairs along with the uh, improved O-line play from last year is 
Isn't the leading rusher in the AFC LeGarrette Blunt? I think he's the leading rusher in the NFL. Is it the entire <laughs> NFL? Yeah. I knew he was one, and I knew number two was Isaiah Crowell from the Cleveland Browns. Which, which is, is just shocking. weird. <laughs> um, th- that just goes to show you that, like, we talked about no New England Patriot running back at the beginning of the year should be on your – you know, top ten running back <laughs> list and things like that, and we. Well, I said, it, I said, if anybody, it should be James White, and he's yeah. been afterthought in this offense. We so obviously we know nothing. All right, right. <laughs> well, listen, with Bill Belichick, you never know anything. You never know what's going to happen with Bill. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, Legarrette Blunt's look great. Obviously, they're relying on him while they have the inexperienced running backs in the or quarterbacks in the game with Brissett and and Garoppolo. So it'll be interesting to see how his role changes, um, LeGarrette Blunt's role, that is, changes once Tom Brady comes back week five against the Browns, uh, especially because you know Tom Brady is going to be just on all-out FU mode. I know Sean and Mark hate this narrative, but I don't care. It's true. He's done it every year. Brady's going to be trying to throw for six touchdowns every game, seven touchdowns every game. That's just what he's going to do when he comes back. He'll screw you to Goodell. Yeah, he um, goes into full video game mode. But, I mean, AFC sucks. It always has sucked. It, it will not stop sucking. Uh, but it royally sucked, as you mentioned, in the Jets-Kansas City Chiefs game. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. He's got a beard. But he threw six interceptions against the Chiefs. Yes, he did. Thank you. And- <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. It's like he was colorblind. Brutal. Brutal. Like, six picks. And the thing is, is I mean, it was all garbage time, and they didn't want to take him out because, sadly, even though he had six picks, he was probably a better option than Geno Smith was. Oh, easily. Easily. And it was all on him. Like, at, at some point, you're better off just spiking the ball into the dirt at the feet of your lineman right. repeatedly over and over again than you are letting him to continue to throw downfield. But like Todd Bowles said, and Todd Bowles is a very soft-spoken person who's in the uh, Bruce Arians coaching tree. Right. Um, he played for him, and you know he's in. He seems like the nicest guy in the NFL. He said after the game, he goes, and I quote, "Shit game plan, shit execution, <laughs> shit all around." <laughs> I love seeing the Jets being pissed off and sucking. It makes me so happy. Um, yeah, it just it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. Speaking of not pretty, the Browns zero and three. Talk to me. Not pretty is a bad way of putting it. Um, this is no longer a team that's worried. We can't worry about grading them on wins and losses. It's just, are they playing competitively in the game? And again, they're in it because of one guy, Terrell Pryor. Um, he was a pleasure to watch on Sunday. He really was. Played quarterback, played receiver. They rushed him around uh, on jet sweeps and end arounds. And he's got some of the wildest hair I've ever seen. He looks like Coolio. I'm very, very intrigued by his hair. Did I you see that? that? Those bra- the braids are very, very interesting. Well, but it was Coolio was more of, you know, I'm going to go straight <laughs> up and have a braid in and, like, and point straight up, where TP's got – Pryor's got his just flopping around, yeah. you know? There's no gel in that hair. Um, it's, it's beautiful. And when he got very frustrated at the end of the game, where I don't blame him, he was, you know, he's, like, slamming his helmet, and his hair was really just, like – Moving, yeah. it looked, it was beautiful. I, I was, was I, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. But you got to keep in mind, this is a, this is a young team. You know, Cody Kessler got his first start, and uh, he looks like a brand new rookie. His first series, and and he kind of settled down and got uh, got us going a little bit. You know, Isaiah Crowell's running the ball well, but you know, we started week one. We had 18 guys on our roster who never played it down in the prof- <laughs> a professional football. So, like, good? what do you expect? Like, is that good? It's, I don't think this is a team that's going to go zero and sixteen. But well, what, we, do the, what do the analytics say? Analytics say one win. I think <laughs> <laughs> my analytics, uh, which I keep on a toilet paper roll next to my uh, shaving kit in the bathroom, right, 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 right. We're, we're going to get one, um, but that was supposed to be against the Eagles. So I'll, I don't really know what we're going to do now. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I think it's going to be against the Baltimore Ravens, the most overrated team. That's 3-0 in the National yeah. Football League. Yeah, that defense isn't very good. Uh, but I'll tell you what, the offense looks pretty solid. Mike Wallace has been a great addition to that team. Uh, our friend Mark was not sold on Steve Smith last week, but he had a very solid game. Uh, again, just being a, a great, a good possession receiver, what they need. Mm-hmm. Dennis Pitt has come back from that hip injury or multiple hip injuries. 
and has been arguably one of the best tight ends in the league so far in three weeks. Uh, you got to, I mean, their, their running game is still a mystery. Who's the lead back? Kenneth Dixon will be back. And if you can find him in your fantasy leagues, I highly suggest you pick him up if you can. Uh, Brashad Perryman starting to get involved with the game or the game plan last year. He was a rookie, missed the whole season with a, a foot injury or a shin injury. Uh, now he's back and he's being targeted in the offense. Mike Wall scored again. I mean, there, there are options. It's weird. There are options in this offense, but there's no consistent, I'm the number one option at all. It, it, it's going to be hit or miss. It's going to be a lotto ticket. I guess that means maybe try to pick up Joe Flacco because he's, he's going to be the constant there. Um, he's solid. I mean, in, in the words of PFT commenter, he's elite. Joe Flacco. Oh. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to put the word Flacco and the word elite in the same sentence. I know. I, I, that was it's easy. I think it's easier to put the words guy throws it really far down the field and lets receiver run under it and Flacco. That's a little bit easier to put together. That works. Yeah. That works. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're three. No, I think that, uh, Gun in my head, give me the Eagles over the Ravens just because I think the Eagles might have a little slightly easier division than the Ravens. Um, but I, so, I, I, so I think the Eagles will, will fare better towards the end of the season just because the Ravens got Cincinnati. They're going to play Pittsburgh again. Um, it's going to be – it's not going to be a cakewalk for them. But, you know – Speaking of Cincinnati, we finally saw that running game get off the ground against Denver, but they mm-hmm. couldn't get it done. Trevor Simeon absolutely carved them and, 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 and torched them in week three. Had, had I think it was either three or four touchdowns. I can't remember off the top of my head. but it four. Uh, it, he went, let's see, yeah, 312, uh, four touchdowns. So Simeon carved them. Seventh-round pick out of Northwestern. Remember when this defense was considered a top-five defense? what are they now? I mean, Cincinnati's offense is the Dalton to AJ Green show still looks like it's legit. Uh, Tyler Eifert, Eifert should be coming back in the next two weeks. Jeremy Hill finally got a solid game for fantasy owners. And I was praising him on Sunday because I have him, I think in five out of my seven leagues. So it was finally good. Yeah. It's finally good to see him put up two touchdowns. Uh, Gio Bernard been a solid option out of the backfield as a, as a, ca- a pass catcher on third downs. Uh, but what is this team? Are they just going to be a Marvin Lewis one and done team in the playoffs? Because that's what they're trending to be right now. That's what they usually are. And I think that's probably going to be uh, again. You know, our, I don't know if they're going to be an AFC wildcard team. I don't think I picked them. I'd have to look at my notes again. But I think it's. Like you, more of what the same like what you said. It's a Marvin Lewis team that you know tragically does not do what they're supposed to do when it comes to crunch time, and um, they still rely on mental midgets on their defense. Right, right. Switching over to the West right now, we mentioned Trevor Simeon. He's looked great and arguably better than what they had last year with Brock Osweiler and Peyton Manning. The defense is pretty much as good. I want to say they're struggling a little bit more against the run, but against the pass, they're, they're locked down. I mean, it, if you have your quarterback going against Denver or your wide receiver going against Denver in fantasy, you almost have to bench them because they're going to struggle. They, mm-hmm. they lock down TJ Ward, um, Aqib Tlaib, Chris Harris. Uh, fortunately for them. Roby. Yeah, Roby. But fortunately for your, your fantasy players, you're going against them. Uh, DeMarcus Ware is out for the next few weeks with a broken forearm, but they still have to worry about um, Vaughn Miller off the edge. It's Derek Wolf coming up the middle. It's, it's just a solid defense. It's, it's a very, very scary defense to go against. But Trevor Simeon has looked pretty solid. I, I'm curious what they're going to do between him and Paxton Lynch moving forward because obviously they spent a first-round pick on Paxton Lynch. They moved up in the first round to pick him or moved back into the first round to draft him. And, but – Simeon's been solid, and, and everything I've watched from him, you know, obviously I saw his first career start on the Thursday night game against the Panthers, and he didn't wow anybody, but he looked the part of an NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if he can continue to develop into a solid starter and whether or not they're going to have a, you know, a decision on their hands. Like, do we stick with Simeon? Do we trade Lynch or do we keep both of them? I don't know. It'd be really interesting to see. Well, I don't think it's a situation where he has to keep the seat warm for Lynch. Um 
you know, there's nothing wrong with having two quarterbacks you're developing and, and one can get you what you need from the starting position. So th- they're they're not losing anything by keeping him in the game. Like, Simeon's been great. He's right. been very great. Right. Um, and they have a great defensive back set up. So it's not like they're asking him to go out there and win the game for him every week. You know, they could, they could win 14 to, to 3. Um, the rest of the season make the playoffs if they really had to and just rely on the defense in the running game. But, you know, four touchdowns. I don't think he's had um, a turnover since the opening week. You know, he's playing well. He's playing really well. Right, and, and it was finally good for Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders owners in fantasy football to see yeah. that these guys finally put up big stats again. Demarius Thomas, he had a long touchdown, finished with six, six catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. Emmanuel Sanders found the end zone twice. It was just, it was just. I'll tell you what. I have Demarius in two leagues, and I have Emmanuel Sanders in one league. And it was finally just, it was a relief just to watch those plays happen. It's like, yes, finally, thank you, because I was preaching drafting Sanders and drafting Demarius Thomas in you know the third, fourth round because I think that they are very talented players, and I also think that Brock Osweiler and Peyton Manning weren't very good last year. So it's good to finally see that, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of being somewhat correct in my assumptions of uh, Simeon being a capable quarterback or at least being better than what they had before. Right. Um, AFC South, I mean, we talked about Indy in the opening. They suck. They're mismanaging this team. I mean, what else can we say about them? There's, there's not a lot. Jack Doyle might be a great option as a sleeper tight end to pick up if you can find them. It's, you know what you're going to get with T.Y. Hilton uh, in, in a, Good matchup against uh, a soft defense. Andrew Luck's going to be solid. But in the NFL, you know, he, he's that team just isn't very good because they have no offensive line. I don't know if you watched that game on Sunday, Jared, but it's like every time he dropped back to pass, he never had any time to, to make a play whatsoever. He was just getting demolished by defenders left and right. It looks like a max school going up against the SEC. Um, up front, you know, when Kent State plays Alabama in Alabama, and the <laughs> Fort Kent quarterback has like 1.8 seconds to throw, and they keep just dropping him back and dropping him back, and it's like, good God, man, you're going to get somebody hurt. They're going to do it to Andrew Luck. Right. Now, but the good news for Andrew Luck, and this just popped up on my phone about five minutes ago, is that he might have to face J.J. Watt for the rest of the season. Why? Uh, what happened? J.J. Watt uh, re-injured his back and might miss the whole season. So this, wow. is the sa- this is the same injury that he had surgery for in the offseason, and they thought he might miss week one, but he was able to play week one, week two, week three, and apparently he re-aggravated that injury, and he might be on the shelf for the season. So is that, that from is a- the game or from boning Lindsey Vaughn? <laughs> I, I, I didn't get the details. I oh, missed the details. Okay. But, I mean, that's just – that is just uh, – that's huge. That's huge for them at- – Obviously, Brock Osweiler has really struggled so far this season. Watching him Thursday night, he just did not look good. I know it's against a Belichick coach defense, but he just looked, he could not make throws even when they were open. They were relying heavily on Lamar Miller, and there's only so much he could do. <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm not saying it's a mistake yet that they gave Brock Osweiler 18 million dollars over four years or 18 a season over four years. Because it's way too early to make that judgment. But, you know, there's a reason why he got benched for Noodle Arms Peyton Manning last year. And maybe we're seeing that now that he's got the full-time gig as a starter. Well, if if you're looking for me to defend Brock, because I had ranked him a little bit too high in my (laughs) uh, QB rankings list, I guess, um, I'm not going to do that. I still think he's, you know, kind of middle-of-the-road quarterback trending lower as uh weeks go by but he also went up against the Patriots defense who's you know a top two defense in the whole National Football League um give it time there's a lot of weapons on that offense and and I don't think Bill O'Brien's gonna um misuse them you think he wants to get the ball to Will Fuller and, and and downfield to DeAndre Hopkins and the kid can throw he can throw deep you know it seems like he's always struggled with the the underneath crossing stuff but at the end of the day, you hand the ball off to Lamar Miller, you get the ball to your playmakers in space, and, and get going downfield. Like, I don't think that's too much for the guy to play with. Um, I think he'll end up being okay, but I don't know 
if the Texans are going to be making the playoffs this year um, after I had picked them to do that <laughs> as the wild card. Well, but, I mean, missing J.J. Watt's going to be huge. Yeah, that's they a need, huge blow. They need Clowney to step up. They've, they're going to be without Brian Cushing for a few weeks. With a, I think he had a sprint MCL. Um, so that defense is really going to struggle if you have them, if you're stashing them. They, they're borderline droppable at this point, I'd say, in fantasy. Um, but, you know, I agree. I, I tend to agree with you. I, I don't think that Brock Osweiler will will be a bad quarterback. I mentioned when, when we did our picks, I think, that it might take half a season for this offense to figure it out and, you know, a half a season for Brock Osweiler to turn into a legit starting quarterback because, you know, for – the six or seven games that he played, he had, you know, the ghost of Peyton Manning breathing down his neck saying, I'm coming back from my starting position. So he never got a chance to finally be comfortable in the roles of starting quarterback. And now he is just growing into the position and it's just, he's taking his bruises and I, I don't see anything wrong with that. It's going to take some time. Fortunately, he's got an elite receiver in Deandre Hopkins. He's got a great running back and in, in Lamar Miller to rely on. And Will Fuller looks like a very legitimate wide receiver, too. So I think he'll be all right. It's just going to take some time, and maybe we have to pump the brakes on whether or not he's a great fantasy quarterback. Right now, he's nothing more than a quarterback, too. He's borderline rosterable. Um, but if you're in a dynasty league, you got to you got to sit on this guy because I really think he will be valuable within the next two to three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Right. Well, let's, well, let's talk about players that were valuable in week three, though, Jer. Um Point pounder of the week. So I want you to, to tell me who you think your point pounders of the week are. And I, I agree with you, but I also have another option as point pounder of week three. And I'll explain why. So I'll let you go ahead and, and tell me who you got. Um, my The one I mentioned before was Terrell Pryor. He kind of did everything for the Browns. He was three of five for 35 yards passing. He ran uh, 21 yards for a touchdown. He had eight catches out of 14 targets for 144 yards. You know, that was depending on your league, that's anywhere from 26 to 32 points. Um, another guy was Marvin Jones for Detroit in a loss. Six catches and eight targets for two of five and two touches. That's pretty good from a wide receiver standpoint. Um, you know, who was your, your point pounder for week three? Well, before I go to my point pounder, uh, I had – so it's funny. I actually drafted Marvin Jones by accident in one league because my internet went out right when I was on the clock. And I'll tell you <laughs> what. I'll tell you what. I am thrilled with that pick because he's been awesome the past two weeks. And I, I got to admit I was wrong on Marvin Jones. I thought he'd be good, but I didn't think he'd be this good. And he's been dominant so far in three weeks. Um, that touchdown, the long 73-yard touchdown he had was just – he absolutely beasted the defender and, and went down for an easy score. Uh, very impressive by him. But I think the true definition of point pounder means that throughout the game, this guy is just getting you points from the opening snap in the first quarter, the final whistle in the fourth quarter, a catch here, a catch there, a touchdown here, chunky yardage here. And that's Mike Evans for me. Mike Evans through three games is the number two overall wide receiver in, in PPR standings or PPR formats. Week three, he had 10 catches for 132 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I mean, in our league, that's, that's what, 16, about 25 fantasy points. Pretty impressive. And again, it's one of those games where you're watching on Stat Tracker and you're just seeing like a point here, three points here, two yeah. points. It, 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 that's always just, green. Oh, I love it. Yeah, his projected stats are always green. I always love that. So Mike Evans is my choice for point pounder of the week just because he was consistent. But, you know, Terrell Pryor, you can't hate on that. And obviously Marvin Jones' stat line was pretty impressive. But for week four, I got a point pounder. You know, I will say this. I had him last week, and I don't feel cheap by saying that he's going to be a point pounder again this week. I'm taking Melvin Gordon again this week. Last week, I said he's going to have a great game against the Colts. He's, he was good, not great. Got you double-digit points, found the end zone again. But he's going against the Saints. And the Saints just allowed, like, what, a, a million yards and about 5,000 points uh, to Tevin Coleman? Roughly. And Devontae Freeman? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, Dexter McCluster, 
is going to have some sort of a role, but Melvin Gordon is still the lead dog in that offense. I don't see any way he does not rush for over 120 yards, finds the end zone two times, and continues his dominance as your RB1 and arguably the best value in fantasy football draft so far this year. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, where does he rank in the NFL for running backs? Like, Is he top six right now, Melvin Gordon? In what, fantasy? Yeah, fantasy. fantasy. I got to think he's a, he's got to be, and I, I'll tell you exactly where he's at right now. Uh, I mean, he's had the first three weeks have been fantastic by by Gordon. He scored a touchdown in every game so far, um, which again we did not expect this whatsoever. So it's it's crazy to see. Uh, right now, uh, Melvin Gordon is wow one two three four. He's eighth overall. Which is shocking. I'm actually very surprised by that. Um, eighth overall, DeMarco Murray is surprisingly the number one running back. He's found the end zone three times, so that's impressive by him. Tevin Coleman is number five, which, you know, he had three touchdowns last night, which is, again, very impressive. But he's got 32 rushes for 110 yards, so he's not a player you can really re- rely on uh, week to week. But yeah, I mean, Melvin Gordon, he's right there. Uh, I just think that after this week, he'll probably be within the top five easily, maybe because the difference should be right. And the difference between one and eight. So DeMarco Murray's number one, Melvin Gordon's number eight difference is 13 points. And number two right now is D'Angelo Williams. So we obviously know with Le'Veon Bell coming back that that'll change. That'll change dramatically. So really he's the number seven running back with, with guys left over. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I just think <laughs> New Orleans sucks. If you if you see New Orleans on, you know your your schedule, your your players going against New Orleans, you start them no matter what. And if you can find a player that's on the uh, the waiver wire that's going against New Orleans, you start them no matter what. It's true. So, Jared, who is your biggest point pounder for week four? Well, my uh, week four point pounder is uh, actually for week – he was the week three point pounder. I gave him, uh, I'm going to go retroactive here and give him an award. It was Greg Hardy, the former oh. Dallas uh, defensive end <laughs> on that Coke game. That Coke game. These quotes from the story just had me rolling today at work. Well, um, real quick, I, I think you're I, – I see what you're getting at here. But, but so you think he's more point pounder than NFL dumbass of the week? Um. I think it's both. I think I think this kind of is both. I just okay. pounding the uh, the the ink and the paper <laughs> with some of these quotes is really what was going on. Um, and this a is quote: great. He didn't know what was in the bag that police said contained co- cocaine, and Hardy said somebody gave him the bag at a party the previous night. End quote. All right, that's that's a good one. Police said that the substance that had tested positive for cocaine was found in his wallet. But Hardy said he had been passing his wallet around at a party because, quote, he was paying for everybody, and that must have been when the baggie was put in his wallet, end quote. So wasn't me, and, oh, I just gave my wallet out to total strangers and allowed them to pay for everything, right? So so where, where's the issue? I mean, he's an innocent man in my, my right. st- from what I'm standing. Wait, wait, so you're, you're not a big baller like him? You don't just pass around your wallet at parties and say, hey – I'm going to pay for everything. Everybody look at my wallet. Um, Considering my wallet is a binder clip <laughs> attached to like an old Blockbuster card. and <laughs> Well, not only that, but like you don't pass around your wallet. And, no. And you, like what, what you do is you pass around a hat and have everybody donate like five bucks. You don't just pass around your wallet and say, hey, guys, here's my black card. I'm paying for everything. Yeah. So, <laughs> this isn't the smartest uh, guy of all time. He's uh, also one of my – has another one of my all-time favorite quotes when it comes to – you know, getting arrested. He said, quote, pictures are pictures and they can be made to look like whatever they want to, end quote. That was talking about when he had beaten up his girlfriend. Jerry, um, have you ever heard of Photoshop? Yeah, I used to do it for a living. Um, <laughs> but pictures are pictures, man. <laughs> <laughs> As our friend Mark would say, the proof is in the pudding. Proof is uh, in the pudding. No, I, dude, he's an idiot. I yes, love it. I, lo- I love it. Uh, uh, that that's the final nail in the coffin of his career. I don't see any way of him coming back from that. You know the Coke game. I, I appreciate your uh, your angle on point pounder of the week. <laughs> um, 
he's pounding something for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's the end. We've uh, we've probably seen of Greg Hardy, aka the Kraken. Um, so let's uh, let's get into some listener questions. Okay. So reminder: the good news is we're gonna have our shirts uh, ready to print next few weeks here so send us questions on email negpodcast at gmail.com on twitter at glory podcast or hit us up on facebook never ending glory podcast we ask your questions uh we talk about your questions on the the episode uh there's a chance you could win one of those new t-shirts that will have uh our wonderful sponsors that buckeye vodka have their logo on the back so thank you very much buckeye vodka for that um, let's get into the first question the first one is from our good friend josh we talked about these two defenses earlier, Jared, but let's uh, let's talk about them in detail here. Have Minnesota and Philly defense turned your studs into must-sit when they face these teams? So, for example, coming up next week, we have Odell Beckham versus Minnesota. Kelvin Benjamin just had zero catches against Minnesota. Do you see any way that you sit Kel- or, uh, Odell Beckham or studs moving forward against the Minnesota defense? Well, I have Odell Beckham, and I'm not planning – I'm not planning on sitting him. I'm planning on him not not getting his typical stat line. You know, maybe as low as three, um, you know, three receptions. Hopefully, he's still getting his red zone targets if they get down there. But like you said, Kelvin Benjamin is a is a big time wide receiver one, and he was shut down completely. So if I think it has more to do with who the guy is um, and the team that they're going to get that who's playing against Minnesota than it does. Just fly out saying, "Yeah, I can't start him." Right. It's a week to week basis and a player to player basis, but you have to strongly consider it. That's for sure. I think that you know, and this goes goes to if you're going against a Denver defense, if you're going against Seattle defense in Seattle. Uh, obviously, Minnesota now looks like they're in a pretty elite defense. Uh, even Philly just shut down Antonio Brown. Uh, well, actually, Antonio Brown in a good game, but shut down D'Angelo Williams and Ben Roethlisberger. I think you look at it this way. If it's a top five running back, top five wide receiver, maybe top eight wide receiver, top three quarterback, you're starting them regardless. So you're starting the Cam Newtons, Aaron Rodgers. You're starting Julio Jones. You're starting Odell Beckham. You're starting Todd Gurley. You're starting David Johnson. You're starting those guys no matter what. Now, if you have a fringe wide receiver one or a high-end wide receiver two like Kelvin Benjamin – then maybe you think about sitting them. Or if, you know, LaShawn McCoy is going up against the Minnesota defense or going to get going up against Seattle in Seattle, then maybe you consider sitting him. But with your studs like Odell Beckham, you start them no matter what because, you know, Beckham's, Beckham's the best second best receiver in the game behind Antonio Brown. I, I don't sit him for anybody. I don't care. He can easily make the Minnesota defense, you know, look like children if he's on his game and, and I think he will be on Sunday. So I'd roll with Odell Beckham against Minnesota. Uh, so Jerry, I think he'll be happy with his production. Okay. Uh, second question from good friend, Jay Crow on Twitter. He's asking us start John Brown or Tyrell Williams, John Brown from the Cardinals and Tyrell Williams is now the new deep threat for the chargers. Uh, we finally saw John Brown get the targets. He so deserves. He had 11 targets, Finished with six catches on Sunday uh, after two mediocre games in weeks one and week two where you only have one catch each game. Tyrell Williams, you know, he's been – he hasn't been good. He's been a little overrated, I felt like. Uh, Personally, I would start John Brown in this situation just because last year John Brown was more often than not scoring you double-digit points in fantasy purposes – uh, he had, I think, three dud games. Other than that, he's pretty solid throughout the season. Uh, and I think that finally Brown's over those concussion issues. I'm rolling John Brown this week. Jer, who do you like? I'd go the same thing with John Brown. I think no matter what, he's still a deep threat. And I think that Bruce Arians' offenses have always shown that they want to throw the ball down the right. field. Right. And also, too, uh, Michael Floyd had some headaches on Monday, so he might be in the concussion protocol Chance he doesn't play. So you never know what's going to happen with that offense. I say you stick with John Brown, uh, Jay Crow, do the right thing, go with John Brown. No doubt. Yeah. Jer, you ready for week four? I am. I can't believe we're uh, a quarter of the way through the season. 
We are a quarter of the way. Uh, you know, the football season is, is it's the best 16, 17 weeks of the year. Uh, and then obviously we have playoffs and whatnot. But, you know, make sure you keep it locked. Never any glory podcast throughout the football season. We'll be here for as long as you like us to be. <laughs> We're enjoying this. We're keeping it up. Obviously, check out not only our podcast, but also the college football podcast that comes out on Thursdays, led by Matt. You have Farky, you have Schillig, you have uh, Sean Z on that broadcast as well. Uh, We're going to have some other things coming out in the near future. MLB playoffs coming up, NBA season starting in in about a month. Um, So we've got a lot of things going on here, Never Ending Glory podcast. Be sure to keep it locked. Be sure to keep tuned in. Um, But for week three, or recapping week three, get ready for week four. Uh, We'll be back next week with some week four takeaways and uh, looking forward to week five. So good luck this week to everybody except for Jerry. I hope you uh, go to one and three as I go to four and oh. Thanks. I really appreciate your support. Not a problem. All right. Enjoy your nap town. (laughs) We'll We'll talk next week. Later. See ya.